Hello, Falaba. You're listening to Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. Coming up. We only think military when we cannot achieve stability. Sisi Veni Brown Booker is on a roll to strengthen Fiji's links with New Zealand. Also, what would you give for public services? A new survey reveals a problem in the Pacific when it comes to favours. And later on... There's still a need to have, have the necessary infrastructure in place like marinas. The new CEO for Tonga's Tourism is bringing a different approach to the role. Fiji's Prime Minister Sitiveni Ramboka was hosted at New Zealand's Parliament today, meeting with Prime Minister Chris Hipkins and members of his cabinet as well as representatives from the opposition. Strengthening economic ties was a major talking point for the Fijian leader, while Hipkins went to great lengths to reiterate New Zealand's commitment to supporting Fiji and other Pacific Island countries in their development aspirations, as well as helping them deal with the negative impacts of climate change. RNZ Pacific's Kuroi Hawkins reports. Twenty-five years since his last official visit to New Zealand, the recently re-elected Fiji Prime Minister Sitiveni Rambuka was welcomed to Parliament this morning by Prime Minister Chris Hipkins. Prime Minister, welcome. It's fantastic to be able to welcome you here in person in New Zealand. It's uh, fantastic for a new New Zealand Prime Minister to be welcoming a relatively new, although more experienced, uh, Prime Minister from Fiji. Thank you very much, I'm also glad to be here. Emerging from their meeting, Chris Hipkins noted the strong links between the two countries. Uh, and so I'm very pleased that our country's committed to prioritising that connection uh, when we signed the Duavata relationship statement of partnership last year. It's a strong foundation through which we're able to consider and find solutions on areas of mutual interest, including, of course, climate change, which we just discussed, uh, social well-being, regional security uh, and building economic resilience. Prime Minister Hipkins also announced a further $11.1 million for climate change support in Fiji. Sitiveni Ramboka thanked the New Zealand Prime Minister for all of the development assistance and support and highlighted his vision for greater economic cooperation between their two countries. But he began by sharing his thoughts on Wellington's winter weather. Not very happy that global warming has not come this far, but uh, (laughs) I'm here to discuss... uh, Ways forward for our countries as we continue to work on rebuilding our economy since the onset of COVID-19 uh, pandemic in January 2020. However, it was on the subject of labour mobility that Sitiveni Rambuka voiced some concerns. The Fijian Prime Minister lamented the brain and labour drain caused by the RSC program in New Zealand and equivalent schemes in Australia. Uh, we appreciate very much the opening doors of Australia and New Zealand for us to uh, send our our semi-skilled, but unfortunately recent trends have seen that we're losing some uh, that were already working in the hotel industry and uh, in the health professions. So it comes down to how much we can afford to pay them. Chris Hipkins acknowledged the concerns. New Zealand values our RSE workers, um, but we also recognise that that is a scheme that's got to be of mutual benefit to both countries. And we recognise 
um, that there is increasing anxiety amongst some of our Pacific partners in the RSE scheme around the loss of talent and the loss of skilled workers that they need domestically as well. So we're very mindful of that. Uh, we want to continue to welcome RSE workers to New Zealand, but we want to continue to do that on the basis of mutual benefit. And I think the, the key is open dialogue with those countries who have those concerns about how we can best make sure that we address those. Earlier in the week, Sitiveni Rambuka met with members of the Fijian community in Auckland and Wellington. He thanked them for their continued contributions and support to family and the economy back home in Fiji and reiterated his message of unity for Fiji in the face of strong criticism from opponents of his coalition government back home. Some community members seem to believe in the message. Mostly uh, most indigenous Fijians are here, and our friends, our Indian friends too, from Fiji are also here. Like, we can see the togetherness now. While others seem to think the proof of the pudding will be in the eating. He's got lots of promises that he has made, so hopefully everything goes on well like that, so as he says, and... So hopefully Fiji is going to grow. In Wellington, Sitiveni Rambuka also met with the New Zealand Foreign Affairs Minister, Nanaya Mahuta, Climate Change Minister, James Shaw, as well as members of the opposition. The Fijian Prime Minister also laid a wreath at the Pacific Island Memorial at the Pukeahu National War Memorial Park. Rambuka and his delegation depart Aotearoa tomorrow. Preliminary findings of a new Transparency International survey have found sextortion, demanding sexual favours in return for public services, is a major issue in parts of the Pacific. Papua New Guinea, the Federated States of Micronesia and Solomon Islands have higher rates of sexual extortion, according to the research. Lydia Lewis caught up with Transparency International's Pacific advisor, Mario Matthew, after the Pacific Conference on Good Governance, which was held in Auckland to learn more about what the findings mean for women across the Pacific. It's a global corruption barometer, which is a public survey. It's a, a survey that interviews ordinary people on their views and experiences of corruption in their lives and their communities. So we, for the first time, did a standalone uh, survey all across the Pacific region in 2021, covering 17 countries and territories, asking uh, people, Pacific people, what their through various questions, what their views and experiences on corruption uh, corruption were. The findings were quite revealing in terms of how problematic it was um, in different government and private sector, and then in terms of their actual experience in accessing public services, voting, you know, uh, bribes to to vote a certain way. So a lot of information, uh, and and given that before that there hadn't been such information, you know, there's a lot that we can start uh, working with. So now what we're doing is trying to really pick out what are the women in that survey saying. What are some of the preliminary findings? They are saying that corruption is uh, quite problematic, especially in government, and is on the rise, and that they are experiencing corruption in accessing uh, public services, uh, sexual extortion in exchange for public services is also an issue. Some uh, countries experience it much more than others. Which countries are those? So PNG, for example, uh, the Federated States of Micronesia, Solomon Islands, um, these are countries which have higher rates of of, uh, sexual extortion than some of the other countries. And yes, to be 
we have chapters, we have national presence in these countries that can attest to sexual extortion uh, actually being a problem that they are tra- grappling with on the ground. What is sexual extortion? So sextortion is a term we um, uh, re- refer to when uh, a, a person is uh, asked for sexual favors in exchange for them accessing public services. So it's a form of, it's, 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 I guess you can call it a currency. And in order to access that service, they have no other option but to actually offer this sexual favor. Um, yeah, so it's How are impacted mostly? Which demographics? I mean, from, so from this initial sort of gender finding, we are seeing that women are uh, quite significantly impacted in the region, probably even higher than some of the other regions of the world that we have applied a similar methodology on. So really something to unearth and find out what is the real picture, given that this is the first time we're actually getting this sort of data. We need to sort of now have conversations with uh, uh, sort of key stakeholders in, in this space to understand what is the issue, uh, what is being done about it? What needs to be done about it? So, at the moment, preliminary findings. When will the final, fuller picture be able to be announced? At the moment, we have this initial analysis, and what we are planning to do is to have focus group discussions with key stakeholders at national and regional level in the gender space, just to once again validate the the, the findings, but also provide more context uh, to it, uh, so we know more than just this sort of initial. Uh, this is what the women said about this this question. Why is that context important? Is there an example as to what needs to be looked into further and why? Yes, and, and it was really great to attend this, this, this conference uh, to hear from uh, some of our uh, fellow you know, sort of participants in the gender space especially uh, to understand how, for example, culture plays in. Um, and how they are maneuvering some um, uh, religion, culture, these sorts of um, uh, uh, factors which then either limit or um, help in some situations. But, uh, yeah, it sort of influences uh, how they they are able to claim their rights in society. But, yeah, the the report is coming out uh, in the last quarter of this year. Tourism in Tonga has long been one of the pillars of the country's economy, along with agriculture and fishing. But the new chief executive of the Tonga Tourism Agency, William Takao, is taking a different approach to that of his predecessors. Specifically, he told Don Wiseman he wants to prioritise tourists arriving by yacht. I've been in this role for just over a month now uh, with the Ministry of Tourism, and I've actually prioritised yachting uh, sector here in Tonga. I, I believe uh, there are uh, bigger benefits um, in terms of the yachting sector. In, in the past, I, I don't uh, believe the yachting was prioritised, uh, but we are prioritising yachting, the yachting sector. See, we had the Pacific Rally arrive uh, just last week. Um, there's a few other rallies in the calendar uh, this year, early next year. And I, and I personally attended the, the South Pacific Sailing Network uh, conference in Auckland last month. With these rallies, what, 26 boats or so at a time, is it? Well, with Pacific Rally, there was a Pacific Rally. It was organised by uh, Vicky Moore from Island Cruises in Christchurch. Uh, there were 30-plus yachts, which arrived uh, here in Tongatapu um, last week. And uh, we've got uh, the World Ark arriving, and I think that's about um, tripled the number of Pacific Rally, and also the Oyster Rally early next year. So there are rallies that are uh, a bit bigger three times, or if not four times as big as the Pacific Rally. Uh, but it is an exciting time. I mean, to see the yachts arriving um, last week, Song of Tourism welcomed, had a little welcome ceremony last Wednesday for the Pacific Rally. 
I guess they've all got uh, money to spend on shore and they want to spend. They've got to restock and so on and so on. Those are the, the, all, all the other areas and benefits in which the, the country can tap into. It's not just the provisioning of the yachts. Um, also, we're looking at the boat yards, maintenance, also boat storage, and, and a whole lot more. I mean, and, not, and not to mention uh, yachties actually stay will stay longer in Tonga, if, if not weeks, months. If you're looking at the cruise ships, uh, they'll only arrive in the morning and, and leave in the evening. So I'd, I'd say um, there's a, uh, a lot more potential in, in, in the yachting sector for Tonga. As I mentioned before, it is a sector that I've, we're prioritizing from the ministry um, looking into. I mean, pre-COVID, uh, there was roughly about 500 yachts that will arrive a year. Something that I've learned at the conference in Auckland is that there's an increase in demand for yachts and super yachts overseas. And, and I guess uh, after people coming out of the lockdown with COVID, a lot of people want to leave uh, their homes and visit the Pacific. So uh, it's uh, estimated that about 800 yachts or 800 plus will be arriving within the next year. So it is uh, exciting times for, for Tonga and for tourism. Uh, 800 boats with what? An average yeah. of three or four people on on a crew? Yeah, an average of three to four people on board. So, uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, they, they they put up a, a snapshot of all the pink dots and uh, pink dots on the online and monitoring the yachts crossing from Panama all the way to New Zealand, Australia, and uh, yeah, there are quite a lot of yachts crossing over. So I think um, if you're in, if you're in New Zealand, you all but to visit the Whangarei um, Marina or Bay of Islands Marina to see the number of yachts actually crossing over. And they come to Tongatapu, or do they go mostly to Vavau? Where do they go? So uh, Pacific Rally actually uh, arrived in Tongatapu first, and then from there to Haapai and uh, Vava'u, and I guess from Vava'u on to Fiji. So uh, with, with the World Arc uh, and a few other rallies actually coming directly to Vava'u. So uh, I know a few yachts have arrived in, Manu- in, in Vava'u this week. When you talk about prioritising, what is it specifically that you can do to achieve that? Well, talk about prioritizing. Uh, they, they still need to have uh, have the necessary infrastructure in place, like marinas here in Tongatapu, uh, Haapai, and also uh, in uh, Vavau. In Tongatapu, uh, for example, um, uh, a few of the businesses like Pangaimoto, Pangaimoto Island is where the yachts usually come and get cleared. They they sustained a lot of damage uh, during the tsunami. So um, even though the Pacific Rally actually came and uh, used Pangaimoto as clearance, they, they need a bit of help into establishing it, re-establishing themselves, getting the necessary infrastructure in place. So in, in terms of prioritization, uh, I, I know we're watching seasons kicking in in a few weeks. And the reason why I mentioned prioritizing is that uh, we also look and open ourselves to the different sectors of the tourism industry, not just we're watching cruise ships, but also adding yachting in there as well. That's Pacific Waves for today. To listen back, head over to rnzi.com slash programs. You can also download us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and iHeartRadio or wherever you get your podcasts from. So from myself and the team here at RNZ Pacific, tofa sui fua.